Hello and welcome to the Chengdu Gaming Federation podcast. My name is Charlie. I'm joined here with a guest, Josh. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Josh is the organizer of both of our trivia events. You created all the questions and we recorded a podcast about that. Had a really fun time doing that. And happy to invite you here on the podcast as we talk about the best games of the year 2019 and some of our favorite games from the last 12 months. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. I was here before for the uh, Mario Maker controversy. Oh yeah, that's right, the Goomba Gate. The Goomba Gate. Yeah. That's right. You're the you're the internet famous Super Mario Maker level creator. Yeah, famous for 15 minutes there. Now it's just gone. 15 minutes is more than most of us get in yeah. in 2019 gaming notoriety. So that's pretty cool. And also, Super Mario Maker 2 is definitely on the short list of best games of 2019 oh absolutely that's definitely on my short list too yeah deservedly so so we got a lot of games to talk about on this podcast uh before we get into it though i'm just gonna make a real quick note some people who visit our website may have noticed that the branding on the website has changed from chundu gaming federation into china gaming federation and there's also a new web address which is chinagaming.org which will over time replace the previous domain name, which was chundugaming.com. And the reason for this is that there are a lot of listeners to the podcast and visitors to the website, which don't really have any awareness of Chengdu and, and don't live in the city of Chengdu like we do. And they're just interested in sort of China gaming general uh, topics. So for sort of SEO purposes and to reach people who are interested in more general China gaming news and information, which is kind of what this podcast is about anyway, uh, the name has changed. And I made this change um, in the last couple of weeks, sort of in response to um, an, an NPR journalist who contacted me after our recent podcast, which was about the Blizzard Hong Kong controversy. And so that was just kind of an example of like people who are interested in greater China issues. So with that said, um, let's move on and talk about the best games of 2019. Right, yeah. Hey, I, I, I want to say, I think if you have any of those CGF merchandise, hold on to those because those will be collector's items. So hold on to those. Yeah. You have them. It's such a small change. You know, people usually just like colloquially refer to it as CGF. So the acronym doesn't change. Um, so like very little changes and um we have like hoodies and you know all sorts of stickers and different merchandise and uh it still works fine as chundu gaming federation in the city of chundu and some of the peripheral things like the steam group is called chundu gaming federation that'll never change because it can't change so it is yeah. what it is here we are in chundu china cgf what's the difference it's yeah. a small change yeah who cares all right so how did you approach this topic? We, we're talking about best games of 2019. Where do you begin to make a list of your favorite games of the year? Well, um, thankfully, starting a few years ago, I started keeping track of all the games where, where I play every year. I just make a list on my, uh, I, I use the Google Keep app, and I just make a list every time I finish a game, or if I log enough hours into a game that's not finishable, it's just like, okay, yeah, I got all I need to get out of that game. So um, I make a I make a list, and um, so when you approached me about making a list of the top games of 2019, I looked at my list and I realized there's not many games that came out in 2019 that I actually played this year. There's a, I can probably count them all on one hand how many 2019 games that I've actually played, but there are a there's 28 games that I played this year that I played for the first time ever, and I want to have 
well, when I'm when I share my top games of 2019, I'm going to have two lists. One list for games that actually came out this year and another list of games that I played for the first time. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I do the same thing. Have you ever heard of a subreddit called Patient Gamers? Uh, I have not. It's really good. It's on reddit.com slash r slash patient gamers. It's basically a community of game appreciators and enthusiasts who are not chasing like the latest fad or like whatever the newest game is. So they'll have like a game of the month every month. And it might be like uh, Portal 2 or something from like many years ago, which may have been overlooked or... Portal 2 might, maybe is not one that's overlooked by that many people, but a lot of games which people might have in their Steam libraries, for example, which they've never played, or something that was like a PlayStation Plus game from you know a year ago, which people might have but have never played. And I really love the ethos of that subreddit to just appreciate games from the last couple of years, which you may not have played, rather than to just be always chasing like whatever the new release is. Right, and that's a much cheaper habit uh, hobby to have is to go to those old games that that probably were overlooked like they're like what was it 2017 there were so many great games that came out and who has time to play all of those it's good to be able to go back get it for a little bit cheaper and just enjoy it absolutely absolutely i feel like a lot of the most talked about games of 2019 are ones which i'm interested in but they're not ones that I'm going to buy at like $60. Right. Like Sekiro or the new, newly released uh, Star Wars game, mm. which looks cool, you know, but at $60, like that's a pass for me. Right. And those single player games, like when you play them two, three years later, they're going to be the same thing. The only games that you would really need to play when they come out are these big multiplayer games, which for me, that's not my priority when I'm uh, when I'm looking for a new game to play. I like those single player experiences. So I have the advantage. I can just go back to those later. Yeah, totally. I mean, and when you look at the biggest games of 2019, whether you're going by, you know, Metacritic or like the Game Awards, for example, when I have a list of both of those, we'll talk about those. The vast majority of those are chiefly single player games. There are very few that are like big multiplayer games. Some of the biggest multiplayer games of the year actually are not even like anywhere on any of these lists. And a recent example of that is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is like a reboot of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. And it's the best-selling Call of Duty game of all time. I think it made $600 million in like 48 hours or something like that. Mm. And the Metacritic score is like 81 or something. It's like really not that high. So popularity and you know um, critic appreciation, not necessarily in accordance all the time. Another interesting phenomenon is that sometimes massive discrepancy between Metacritic scores for games and user scores. Oh, yeah. And the most polarizing game, which is like nearly at the top of the list um, in terms of discussion about the biggest games of 2019 is Death Stranding. Oh, I was going to say Pokemon. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Pokemon? Pokemon's way up there too. Oh, that is a that is a divisive game as well. Yeah, yeah polarizing it's divisive too. divisive for a whole other reasons though. Right. Mm. So let's let's uh, start with just maybe this uh, Metacritic list. So I've got a list here of the top ranked games uh, of 2019 on Metacritic. And some of these are re-releases of games which came out previously. And I found this list kind of interesting. So the top one on the list is a 93, and that is for Divinity Original Sin 2 on Nintendo Switch. Mm. And this was not originally a 2019 release, but that's a really high score. Um, next highest is Resident Evil 2, which oh, I think remake. is regarded by many to be yeah one of the best games of the year that's a remake um third on the list with 92 is red dead redemption 2 on pc 
which just came out in November. So November 5th of 2019. And then we have to get to the fourth game, which is the first original game of 2019, which is Hero Shadows Die Twice. So, I mean, we can already see that a lot of the biggest games of 2019 are just re-releases. Right, yeah. And then when Sekiro came out, what was that, like March? That yeah, exactly. Early. That was late March 2019. Yeah. And then the rest of the list is like near, you know, near Automata. Automata. That's a, you know, re-release as well. Um, Monster Hunter. And then, I mean, you're down at like 90, you know, score on Metacritic. And it's fascinating to compare this with 2018. Did you look at some of the 2018 games? Oh, there? yeah. 2018. Comparing 2019 to 2018, even 2017, like it's kind of a kind of a slow year, it seems like. It does. It really does seem like a slow year in terms of like critical reception. And if we look at, for example, 2018, the top game of the top rated original game of 2019 wouldn't even be in the top 10 of 2018. And that's crazy. 2018, of course, was uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 and God of War were the mm. two big games that year. Also, Celeste, uh, which was probably my favorite game of the year. Oh, such a great game. Such a great game. It finished this year. Did it finish? Oh, that's yeah. right. With all the updates and additions. I don't think anyone that I know has been able to get to the final, final chapter. Yeah. That's one that I think they, that was given away on the Epic Games, like free, mm. you know, monthly thing. Celeste is just unbelievable game, fantastic game for anyone who's listening to this and hasn't checked that out. That's a great example of a previous game, which you can get for cheap now, which you should check out. But it does seem to summarize this situation that 2019 was something of a down year. And I think that that is due in large part to a huge quantity of delayed games. It's crazy how many games were delayed i mean uh i think we're going to talk about our fantasy critic league uh soon and there were many selections that i had in the fantasy critic that were just pushed back to 2020 or pushed back to a unknown date yeah the fantasy critic group has been so much fun this year why don't you describe what it is all right, yeah. So the fantasy critic is um, uh, you, you've probably heard of like fantasy football or something like this, where uh, you create your own team. Um, fantasy critic is the same thing, but with video games. So you uh, you are a publisher, a fantasy publisher, and you you choose from any game that is unreleased to be part of your league, and the. The, the way you're scored with this is like when the game is released, then you get points based on how critically received it was. So um, they use um, OpenCritic, which is just like Metacritic, but it's open source Metacritic. Uh, they use OpenCritic and the scores, the scores are pretty much the same as what Metacritic are. Yeah. Um, and you get points based off of that. So 70 is the flat line there. So you get zero points if you, your game scores 70. Anything below 70, you get minus points for that. So if you get uh, 68, you get minus two points. And if you have anything above 70, you get positive points. And when you get into the 90s, then you get double points. But as you just said, there's not many 90 games this year. I think there was zero in our fantasy critic group, although we did get a little bit of a late start. We didn't start at the beginning of the year as we should have. But I think the highest ranked games... Um, was uh, 89. That was Fire Emblem Three Houses. Mm. Actually, the highest ranked games which we picked were Fire Emblem, Super Mario Maker 2, 
Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Astral Chain, and Manifold Garden, which I'm not even really familiar with. None of which are my games. Yeah, so um, anyway, so what you're doing basically when you play Fantasy Critic is you're looking at 2019 releases and you're trying to speculate on who's developing the game, what do its prospects look like, is there any footage released, are there any images, what does the development team look like, what's their pedigree, basically what are the chances that the game will be well-regarded and accepted as like a hit. And so you draft games at the beginning of the year, and the draft is really one of the most fun parts. And we so many games that were drafted, like the top draft picks, were delayed and didn't get released in 2019. So the first biggest pick of the year was, of course, Cyberpunk 2077, which is the CD Projekt Red game, which was originally supposed to come out in 2019. That's probably the most hyped game on the horizon, like of any game, maybe. And so that was uh, delayed. But in addition to that, uh, Bayonetta 3, the uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, um, Hollow Knight, Silk Song, Doom Eternal, the new Animal Crossing on Switch, Halo Infinite, and then a bunch of my picks, Spelunky 2, The Last of Us 2, Ghosts of Tsushima, and Dreams. So a long list. I mean, had these games come out in 2019 as they were originally scheduled to, then maybe it would have been like a blockbuster year. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm Am I imagining things? Is this year? Are there more delays this year than normal? I feel like. I feel like usually games kind of come out like when they say they're going to come out, but this year, like it was a month, maybe not even a month, maybe like three weeks before Doom Eternal was supposed to come out, and they said, "Oh, actually, it's going to be coming out next year." Yeah, weeks before, and then they pushed it back. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. And the only way that I I reach that conclusion is because when I look at the biggest 2019 releases, I think like very, very few of them were originally intended to be 2018 releases, which were delayed into 2019. But if we look at some of the biggest games of next year, I think there's no doubt that there are going to be games on this list. It's going to be Cyberpunk. It's going to be uh, The Last of Us 2. It's going to be... Um, Bayonetta 3, Hollow Knight sequel, Ori sequel. You know, those are going to be some of the biggest games of the year. And those were originally intended to be games from this year. Hmm. I know the delay, the whole delay thing, that kind of made headlines recently with uh, Ubisoft or Ubisoft. With uh, what, what game? The Ghost Recon game. What was that? Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Uh, it was released and it just did not work it was completely broken and they, that, that's one of the low that i think that is the lowest scoring game on our fantasy critic that was my pick my, oh that my was score just plummeted oh, after wow. that game came out there was so much there's like a super clip of like all the commentary pre-release from ubisoft which is hilarious they're on stage. They're like, this game is going to be online for at least 10 years. So like, we're going to be supporting this game forever. Okay, don't worry. We got your back. Like, it was just, it's incredible to go back and look at what they were saying about it before release. Mm, well, I'd be surprised if it's still online now. You know, like, Division 2 was also a big flop. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that was also Ubisoft, right? Yes. And so not long after um, Ghost Recon came out, they... I don't know. It was a, like an investors meeting, wasn't it? Where they met with their investors and they publicly announced that they are going to push back the rest of their 2019 uh, AAA games. They're not going to release any more games this year. There was like Gods and Monsters. And what was the other game that was going to come out? I don't remember what it was. Two big games that were going to come out. And they're like, okay, we're pushing these back because 
we obviously need more time to work on these. And uh, like, I appreciate their honesty. Their stocks really took a hit from that. Big like, hit. The investors are like, okay, well, you're not releasing games. How are you going to make money? So they just like drop, you know, their stock price went down, but at least, you know, at least they're going to make these games better. Yeah, really bad year for Ubisoft, for sure. So, yeah, it seems like um, industry sort of plagued with delays. And definitely, man, my fantasy critic picks, I felt like I was in such a good position. <laughs> even like even like Spelunky, too. It's like, really? Really, guys? Yeah. It's like seems like such a Another simple year. game. Been working on it for so many years. Another year. So the GameAwards.com nominees just came out a few days ago, and there are six of them. And I think that on this list, there are two of them, which are uncontroversial game of the year picks, which I think anyone would objectively have to pick. Mm. But to go down the whole list, it's Death Stranding, Control, Resident Evil 2, Sekiro, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and The Outer Worlds. And the most divisive pick on this list, for sure, uh, has to be Death Stranding. Death mm. Stranding is a game which a lot of people really like and a lot of people really hate. And so there seems to be not that much of a middle ground in this game. And this has been, I think, the most discussed game of 2019. Oh, yeah. Like, that that was uh, one of my picks for the Fantasy Critic. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I picked it up as soon as they dropped the release date trailer. I didn't watch the whole trailer. It was like a 20-minute trailer. I don't have time for that. Once they released the 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 release date i'm like okay i'm uh, i'm picking that for my fantasy league because i know that hideo kojima's games they score high yes you're right you're right there's no doubt about that he's like sid meier you know he's like one of the most regarded game designers like of all time he's up there with like john romero you know there's a very short list of like the best, uh, most well-regarded and successful, you know, prominent, visible game designers on the planet, Shigeru Miyamoto. Right, it's a very um, short list of like household names in video games. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he's widely considered to be sort of a bizarro auteur. Um, maybe not like a uh, Quentin Tarantino, but like a Paul Thomas Anderson, maybe. You know, cryptic, mm. weird, um, indirect, um, divisive. Right. It's, yeah, it's it's an acquired, you know, very very acquired taste for his games. Like I, I enjoyed playing Metal Gear Solid games. If you asked me to tell you the story of these games, I, I I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone. I've not seen anyone summarize it. It's been something like, "Is Death Stranding fun?" And it's like, well, what do you mean by fun? Like everything is like a thought provoking, you know, sort of like confusing, loopy, you know, circular logic. Right, and, where yeah. it's like, oh, the, there's the the genius is the part which you don't understand. You see, it's there's a sort of um, highbrow. There's a highbrow, bizarro wisdom to the game, mm -hmm. which is difficult for a lot of people to decipher and understand. It seems like the game which you cannot really explain in like a paragraph. Right, and I, I think if you if you listening want the two sides of this, uh, I would suggest watching video game donkeys video on this and also the the gamer girl what's it called like the girlfriend gamer her oh, video I, on this i didn't see that video but i heard about it yeah that's the defense of it yeah she, she she really loved this game this is like her favorite game of the year oh wow yeah or her boyfriend i think her boyfriend writes the script and she she's the performer but e either way like these are two very different sides they both have very strong arguments yeah 
and yeah, I would say watch those two videos and you can get a, a more full picture on what this game is all about. Cool. We'll link to those in the show notes. The donkey video was hilarious. It's so funny. I thought it was so funny. And I was surprised to see him take such a strong position on the game. Usually what he does is he plays the game for like many hours and he creates like a super cut of all these like funny situations. And then he provides commentary on top of it. But in the case of Death Stranding, he was like, this game is terrible. He's like, let me not mince my words. He's like, this is the worst game ever. This is the most disappointing game I've ever played. And he just really like went went hard in the paint on Death Stranding. Yeah, he in did the most like In the most hilarious way. Yeah. Um, his, his video on Red Dead Redemption 2 was pretty similar to that. Like he did not like that game at all. Um, but you know, that, that is one game that I really loved. That I, I played this year, actually. I didn't have time to play it last year, but I really loved playing it this year, but it takes a lot of patience. Man, I would love to add that to my list of games completed this year, but I just got to Chapter 5. Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. 2 is just the longest game. I can see why people, some people don't like it, because it just demands so much patience. But um, anyway, so the other games on this list, Control, is one which uh, was not rated highly on Metacritic, unusual Game of the Year contender. Resident Evil 2, widely regarded as one of the best games of the year, I think, by almost everybody, right. um, although it is a, a remake. Sekiro, original game, brilliant. Mm. Everyone who loves Dark Souls loves it, apparently. So that's not surprising. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, the only one that's unusual about this is that it came out in early December. Right, but the Game Awards, the cutoff for those were um, before the Game Awards last year. So, right. yeah. I remember last year, that's when they had the Game Awards, when they had their um, first character reveal for, um, was it Joker from Persona and Smash Bros. And that was a week before the actual game released. Yeah. So it makes sense. It's just weird to see that 2018 game in here. It is. It's a little weird. And then the other one is The Outer Worlds, which is like the Fallout New Vegas 2019 edition, um, which is uh, liked by a lot of people, but a little bit unusual to see, I think, on a top game of the year list it's yeah, not like uni- it's not universally praised right it was it was a late release for this uh, i'm surprised that it made it to the cut you're right that just came out what like two three weeks ago yeah. like, i guess also death stranding did so that's true and death stranding actually got more nominations than any other game like by a long shot it's crazy there's, there's like dozens of nominations yeah i think they're they're really guzzling the hideo kojima kool-aid at yeah. the game awards yeah it's which, called the norman Reedus effect <laughs> well uh when you have your own award show i guess you're entitled to do that yeah um but what is on your list i'm curious to hear what's on your list you said you completed 30 games of uh, tw- the year 28 yeah 28 right 30, yeah. and i i've got uh, a a list of similar length and most of the games on my list are not 2019 releases but i'd love to hear what your list includes and before um i hear your list i'll also add in that Austin couldn't join on this podcast, but he did give me some notes on some of his favorite games from 2019, so I'll share those as well. All right, great. So I'll get into it. Yeah, like I said at the top of the podcast, I I did not play many 2019 releases this year. Um, I think there's actually only like two games, maybe three games that were $60 games that I bought this year. Uh, the rest are little indie titles, which you know arguably are the best games out there now. Yep. Um, but anyways, uh, I'll just get into the new games that I played this year. The first one's a remake, uh, Link's Awakening remake on the Switch. Uh, I love that game. the The only 
downside that people have about this game that I see on the internet is just that sometimes it drops below um, 30, frame, 30 frames per second, which um, wasn't too noticeable for me. Um, I mostly played handheld with that game. It was just so much fun. Earlier this year, I actually played Link's Awakening uh, all the way through for the first time. Uh, I, I did that in January, and then this game coming out in October, I just loved playing this. Or maybe September is when it came out, but I loved playing this. I loved like all the attention to detail they had with the um, the environments and character models, and uh, it just looked so good. One of the best-looking games on the Switch, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I did notice the frame rate thing. It didn't really bother me that much, but no. it's something you could notice. No, it's not like like a first-person shooter. You 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 have a frame rate issue that affects your gameplay. This you you like skip a step or two. Yeah, know, it's, it's not, nothing big. I it's agree, not gonna... nothing big. I I wouldn't penalize the game, you know, very much for that. It did seem like there was one particular area, like that swamp area. Yeah, which had it most pronounced. A little surprising for like a first-party game, but whatever, not a big right. deal. There was, there was someone in the CGF group that uh, had a problem where he um. The, the, he broke the game. He, he he did like a there was some glitch, and he exited the swamp dungeon. What was it? Bottle Grotto, and he didn't have a key item, so he couldn't lift up any boulders. He didn't have the power bracelet, so he got stuck in the game. So maybe that 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 little glitch there would have ruined it for me. But what happens um, when you're stuck? Your like save files you, just ruined? No, you 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 yeah. You just have to start the game over. But luckily, it's only the second dungeon. It's not. It's not like you got to the end of the game. And, uh, wow, that would suck, though. <laughs> yeah, that would. <laughs> they must know. have released like an update to fix that, surely. Yeah, right? hopefully they patched it. I don't know, but um. Okay, right. so what else is on your list? Two thousand nineteen. Yeah, Mario Maker two. Of course. Um, yeah, I think I've talked enough about that one. Uh, the last time I was on the podcast, um, I haven't been playing it that much as I would have expected to be playing. But when I did play it, I really enjoyed it. And I spent so much time on my Switch. I, my Switch never runs out of battery when, when I have it. But when I had that game, it it got dangerously low a few times. Um, yeah. I, and I bought a stylus specifically for it. So it, that really changes the way you play it for me. Like, I don't have to use my big bulky finger to manipulate things on the screen like the the little stylus was perfect for me and yeah it seems totally worth it to get that yeah and it seems like they're still going to be updating this game so i'll probably will return to it um some of the updates they've had recently uh is for like online play online co-op play uh which switch is notoriously awful at uh their online services so um yeah actually this friday i'm going to be getting a um, one of those um usb to lan cables so i'm gonna oh the ethernet able, yeah the ethernet cable so i'm gonna like have a more stable sig uh signal and also um, i'm gonna get, be getting a chio box so um oh so that's so essential yeah, yeah the hopefully. chio internet accelerator is something we've mentioned many times on this podcast basically uh everyone in like the cgf ps4 group uses it and it just it's night and day network performance inside china for people who listen to this and are not inside china this is something you would have no need for, basically. But if you're inside China, then you're within the Great Firewall and game performance online like really suffers badly. And if you have this device, which is like a small box, it's like a network um, utility little box, and it's inexpensive and it works great and it just makes online games uh, work. 
Yeah. Uh, can't wait to have one of those to have normal internet again. Um, but anyways, that, that's my very short list of new games that 2019 games that I played this year that I would consider the best games of the year. A couple shout outs to Untitled, Untitled Goose Game. That was very enjoyable. A couple hours there. Um, Baba's You is one that I will continue to come back to and do a little puzzle here and there. It's very frustrating sometimes when you're trying to do something and you're like, I have no idea how to solve this puzzle. Did but, you, did you finish you know, that game? No, not yet. Yeah. I just slowly chip away at it. Like I'll, I'll come back to it like a week later in the puzzle I've been stuck on for like an hour. I'll get into it and just beat up my first try. I'm like, oh, okay. Just new perspective there. And the latest game I just completed was Luigi's Mansion 3. Uh, really enjoyed that. That was like, that was almost 20 hours on that game. Because I, I tried to, I, I got all the gems and all the booze and everything. So, uh, really enjoyed that one too. Um, but for my list of games that are not 2019 games, but were new to me this year, um, earlier this year there was a Nintendo Direct and they announced um, that The Legend of Zelda was teaming up with the Crypt of the Necrodancer and they were going to release a game, The Cadence of Hyrule. And that that had my attention because i've heard the the name crypt of the necrodancer before and it's a um a roguelike game and i never got into roguelikes before but um i know you and austin have talked a lot about roguelikes on the podcast and i'm like okay maybe now it's my chance um to get into it so i picked up ne- crypt of the necrodancer it was only like five dollars on the e-shop or something crazy like that so i played that and i got so hooked in that game what a good game it's a great game and i i i I beat the final boss of that game and it was not easy especially because there was a certain thing i had to do that there's a certain thing in the game where you can like select your items or you can purchase items before you enter the dungeon. I had no idea you could do that until like I got to the last dungeon. I'm like, what? So it made my, my last dungeon so much easier because the, the earlier it was just hard as nails, just going in with like the little dagger every single time. Have you played the original game, Crypt of the Necrodancer? Oh yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I got, yeah. yeah, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Hard as nails. Hard as nails. So hard, especially compared to Cadence of Hyrule, which is like trivial by comparison. Yeah. Then, then I got Cadence of Hyrule, and I just breezed through it in like a few hours. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, well, that one's not on my top list of of best games of the year. Yeah. Definitely for songs, that had the best soundtrack. The remixes of those Zelda songs. Yeah. Awesome. I thought the difficulty was like a little bit of an issue for me. It just wasn't challenging like right. at all. I thought the tolerance for like making mistakes was just huge. I oh, mean, yeah. you could just make like error after error after error and like you're still alive, you know? Whereas right. in, in um, the original game, Crypt of the Necrodancer, you would just get, you would just die. Like if you make like two or three mistakes. Right. I mean, like towards the beginning, I died a few times of uh, Cadence of Hyrule. But after I got like a couple key items, like, uh, I, I just couldn't die. I was unstoppable. Uh, another new game to me was SteamWorld Dig 2. Yeah, that's a well-regarded one. So great. The first game, I haven't played the first game, but I heard that that, that one's a roguelike. And then SteamWorld Dig 2 is not a roguelike. Like it, it, They designed the whole level and everything. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed SteamWorld Dig 2. That was a great Metroidvania-style game. Yep, that's what everybody says. Well, I haven't played it. Yeah, another um, game I played all the way through for the first time was Super Mario Brothers 3. 
<laughs> little first time, there. first time, first time playing it all the way through. Oh, um, that's one of the best. This was leading up to the release of Mario Maker Two. I wanted to chip away at some of the Mario games I never finished. Um, so I did Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels, which was the Japan version of Super Mario Brothers Two. Not recommended. I uh, did not really enjoy that. I mean, I, I played on the Switch the so I could rewind when I died thousands and thousands of times, but it just wasn't that fun, especially compared to like the version of Mario Brothers 2 that we got, yeah. and especially compared to Super Mario Brothers 3. There's so many iconic Mario enemies and mechanics that uh, premiered in that game that I, I, I just wasn't really aware of, I guess, because I never played through the game before i would pick it up every now and then and like play a couple levels but i never like went beginning to end on that game and that was that that was probably at like the very top of my list of my favorite game i played this year wow um yeah that one of the 2d mario games i think that the most well-regarded ones are mario brothers 3 on the nes and super mario world on super nintendo right and they those just came out like what a year apart um 1990 was um Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, that sounds right. That and sounds 91 right. 91 was Super Mario World. Yeah, it's yeah. It was crazy. It was so close. Well, Super Mario Brothers 3 like really pushed the limits of what the NES could do. And that was like the showpiece of and it actually included like a lot of the like effects in the game were actually inside the chip, inside the cartridge. Mm. So Mario Brothers 3 made things possible with the NES that were not possible with other games due to, you know, actual physical components inside the cartridge. And so that was like a real showpiece, like the final, you know, piece of the NES. And then Super Mario World was a launch game for the Super Nintendo. And that was also like a showpiece to be like, here's what the next generation looks like. And that was like a huge leap forward. Both of those games are so good. Um, and the, the last game that I have that's new to me this year uh, that I played for the first time was Ori and the Blind Forest. I played that. Uh, that was a day one purchase for me when it was ported to the Switch. Uh, it's awesome that Nintendo and Microsoft are working together to bring Cuphead and now Ori to the Switch. And I just loved playing that. Um, yeah, and it, it was it played flawlessly on the Switch. I didn't have any problems with it. Um, my only complaint about the game, it was, it was a little too short. I was expecting it to last a little bit longer, but like I, I was just playing it and suddenly it ended. I'm like, oh. Is okay. it Ori? Ori, you mean? Yeah, Ori. Yeah. yeah, I didn't play that, but I did play Cuphead. I finished that this year for the first time. It's funny because I bought the game years ago on Steam and really enjoyed it. And I got right up to the end, I think to the second to last boss mm. and couldn't beat it. And then got distracted by something. Maybe I got into another game or I traveled or something. I can't remember, but sort of stopped playing Cuphead for a while. And then I went back to it and I'd lost all the muscle memory, which I had. Yeah. And so it just became like ludicrously difficult. And I just never beat it on Steam. That's the opposite of like Baba is You or something like that. Like, yeah, you can't go in fresh. You yeah. have to continue to play it. Right. It's like uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, right. where like you have to memorize like all the movements and like the rhythm of all the people you're fighting. It's uh, that's the comparison which I've made with uh, Cuphead in the past. But it got re-released on Switch, and the port is like flawless. And so I played through the whole game on Switch and finished it on Switch and just had so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, Switch has been getting port after port after port, but I've, I've noticed that some of these ports are a little, like, iffy. But at least Microsoft is taking their time to get these ports working well on the Switch. Um, yeah. So that's that's the end of my list of uh, of my top games of the year. There's 
there's a few games that I have that are best game that I haven't played this year. Uh, one of those go, is... Go through your list just real quick since you just oh, went through list. a few. Okay, well, yeah. uh, let's just see if anything stands out. All right, let's see. Let me go through Yoku's Island Express. Uh, I finished that at the beginning of the year. I started in 2018. Also, God of War. I started the, the year before. Um, Link's Awakening on the Game Boy Color. Um, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Oh, that should have been on my list. That was great. Um, Oxen Free. Owlboy. Disappointed in that one. It looked beautiful, but it just did not play very... It wasn't very fun. That's what everyone says. Yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, I should have had that. Oh, that's on my list, too. Red Dead Redemption 2. Great game. Uh, the Messenger. Uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Castlevania 4. SteamWorld Dig 2. Gato Robato. Cadence of Hyrule. Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, I played through the Plague Knight campaign on Shovel Knight. Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels. Dead Cells. Super Mario Maker 2, Horizon Zero Dawn, Mega Man, Guacamelee 2, Batman Arkham Knight, The Gardens Between, Mega Man 2, Link's Awakening on Switch, Ori and the Blind Forest, Untitled Goose Game, and most recently was Luigi's Mansion 3. Cool. I'm interesting to hear Castlevania 4 on that list. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That The Castlevania collection is something that launched this year on Switch. And oh, I, yeah. Yeah. That, really good. Yeah, I jumped right into Castlevania 4 because... Everybody talks about it, and I wanted to see what it was all about. It was great. I was expecting a Castlevania. I was expecting a Metroidvania game, but it was more of an action platformer, yeah. which I really wasn't aware of. I That's thought it was going to be a no. Symphony of the Night is the Metroidvania. Is the first of the Metroidvania. Yes, Castlevania games. Castlevania Four, I believe, was the last of the action side-scrolling Castlevania mm. games. Well, that one's not available on Switch yet, so I'm going to probably buy that on the PS4. Yeah, I, I would expect that. that that'll come to Switch. Yeah. I don't know when, but um, I would expect. I was surprised that it didn't wasn't included in the collection, but it's good enough for them to just release by itself and right. still have a collection have value. I played the I played actually Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon, which oh, is a 2019. Yeah. yeah, it's like a retro Castlevania made in 2019. It does not play well on the Switch. Um, I didn't notice that actually. Oh, you know? really? Okay. Yeah, I've heard that before, but I didn't really notice any issues. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, I played that on Switch, and then I went back and I played the original Castlevania. Finished that. Qu- quite a short game. Super hard game. I mean, you really need like the rewinds. Right. You know, without that, it's right. just like a frustrating mess probably. And I played Castlevania two, although I haven't finished that. That one's not regarded as the best of the yeah. series. I remember the angry video game nerd that he he had that uh, like one of his first video was um the castlevania 2 yeah there's things which you have to do in castlevania 2 to proceed through the game which you would never know without looking up yeah. it's the kind of game where like you really needed the nintendo hotline like right. back in the day right. you're like how do i i have to go underneath this lake how do i go into the lake it's like oh there's like one pixel you know in some <laughs> obscure area which you would like never think twice about you have to like crouch there or yeah something. yeah something like it's so obscure so not not the best game, but I do intend to go through Castlevania 2, 3, and then 4 hmm. because Castlevania 4 was always my favorite one. I had that on SNES. Just amazing. Music was great. Uh, graphics so are awesome. Really good game. But um, I'll do the same thing which you did. I've got a list of 2019 releases, which I finished. And I think that maybe my favorite game of the year might have been Tetris Effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is on uh, PSVR. And I think it's on Steam VR as well. What a good game. It's such a fun twist on such a classic game, which everybody knows. But it's like this atmospheric uh, journey. 
So basically it's, it's sort of a rhythm game, you know, as you're moving the blocks around and you're putting the blocks into place, there are different musical elements which are changing and being added to the song. So you're sort of assembling a song and it's like a visual experience, which goes along with it as you're like getting these lines inside Tetris. So Tetris effect, you know, one of the big things for me this year, which is new is PlayStation VR. I just got this around Christmas time last year, so I've had it for about a year. And this year, a lot of the games which I played and finished, and some of my favorite games of the year were PSVR games, um, including Super Hot VR, uh, Star Wars Battlefront VR, which is really cool. You're like flying in an X-Wing. Wow. Um, Resident Evil 7, which scared the crap out of me. It was so much fun. Um, and and Tetris Effect. I think Tetris Effect was was probably the best VR game which I played this year. Yeah, Resident Evil 7 is the the... The one that you always see videos of, of like, I showed my dad Resident Evil 7 on Christmas and it's just a video of him freaking out with the headset on. Oh, it's so yeah. crazy. It's so wild because I'm assuming everyone who's listening to this podcast has played a Resident Evil game. So you basically know what it's about. You know, typically speaking, like it's ammo scarcity. It's like quiet, dark hallways. It's like a creeping sense of like dread and suspense. And when you put that inside VR, it's just amplified like so much. And there are really cool sort of almost cinematic-like sequences which take place from the first-person perspective. So things like uh, an enemy or a character will kind of go move around you and come right up close to you and might like stab you. And you in first person, you're like looking down and you see a knife like coming outside of your stomach and there's like blood and guts all over it. It's just, it's so immersive that it just creates a totally different experience, which is really not like um, what you're used to. Right. And you can play the game on, you know, in 2D as well. So just to get some comparison and perspective on the VR effect. I played it for a little bit, maybe half an hour, just on my projector here at home. And it's like night and day. I mean, the difference is so big. It feels like you're looking at someone else experience something versus you're like there and you you really have a feeling of presence. Right, yeah. I've been holding off on that game specifically because I want to play it on VR. Smart, Yeah. smart. You know, because a lot of the most memorable sequences in the game are... Things which you will not see coming, but you will remember like for a long time. Right. And if you experience those not in VR, then the VR effect will be like substantially diminished. Right. And it's, it's a linear game. So it's like when you play it once, you, you've played it, right? Yeah. You're not going to have a new experience playing it again. That's right. Right. We have a previous episode of the podcast, which is just about VR, mm. uh, and it's mostly about PSVR. This was kind of the year, I think, that VR went like, got really accessible yeah it took you know? off yeah. yeah it took off this year with uh, playstation vr is really inexpensive and there's like coming up on i think 100 million people who have ps4s so that's a cheap um attractive option there's also now like the oculus quest which is 400 dollars, a standalone vr device and then there is like htc vive and valve index and a whole ton of different um headsets available so vr is like one of the big you know, developments of 2019 that recently announced Half-Life, uh, Alex. Oh man. Yeah. When we talk about like the biggest games of 2020, that's gotta be on the short list. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is looking like a full fledged Half-Life game. How long have we been waiting for that? 2000, what was it? 2007? 12 12 years, I think. Yeah. I think 2007 is when episode two came out. That's crazy. I know it's, it's uh, just unbelievable that so many years people have just given up hope. People are like, it's never coming. Yeah. 
So wild. Anyway, so Tetris Effect, that's on my short list. Other 2019 games, Gato Roboto. Oh, yeah. I played that one, too. That was great. Super fun. Super fun. Really short, simple game. Critics didn't seem to love it because it was so short and there's not much replayability, but I don't um, penalize the game or any game for having those qualities too much because it was so much fun. Yeah, for me, it was like pretty much free because I used my eShop gold points to purchase it and I only had to pay like five cents extra to pick it up. Yeah, it's a it's a charming game. You play a cat and it's like a Game Boy themed Metroidvania. Yeah, very, very heavily influenced by Metroid. I got stuck in the game kind of late in the game there was i got into an area where i couldn't get out it was impossible to get out i was like what oh i'm stuck in the game and then there was an update for it as i updated it and when i went back to it there was a box there where i was stuck they patched in a box so i can hop out oh that's good yeah that's a good outcome yeah so gato Roboto definitely on my list mario maker 2 you already mentioned Katana Zero, which was a fun game, indie game I was playing on Switch. My Friend Pedro, another Switch game, indie. Cadence of Hyrule and Forager, which is a little bit like uh, Stardew Valley, but a little bit more action-oriented. And my girlfriend played and enjoyed that too. And um, I've got this list from Austin, which I said I'd mention. And his, I believe, were all 2019 releases. And his first um, game, which he listed, was Slay the Spire. which is the game I played the most in 2019, I think, in terms of the game which I got the most um, time and enjoyment out of. I think for me, it has to be Slay the Spire. That was January, right? Yeah, it actually technically came out in early access in 2017, but it wasn't fully released until 2019. And it's a good example of a game continually improving in uh, early access. And by the time it gets to a full release, it's just so well-polished, perfectly balanced, a really deep, rewarding card strategy game. Hmm. A little bit like Hearthstone, but I would put Slay the Spire like way above Hearthstone, personally. Really fun game. Alston also listed uh, Mortal Kombat 11. Oh, yeah. Has some issues, but um, really fun game and really fits into you know what you know and expect and would want from a modern Mortal Kombat game. Ape Out, which is a Bennett Foddy game, which uh, has this really cool hand-drawn sort of painterly style. Um, Untitled Goose Game, which you already mentioned, mm. brilliant, uh, one of the most inventive, creative, out of the box, hilarious indie games. Yeah, exactly. Inspired by Mario sixty four and Hitman, and has all these kind of wacky stealth situations. You know, steal the broom and uh, get the farmer's hat and throw it in the lake, and all all these like funny scenarios. And quite a success too. Sold over a hundred thousand copies on the Switch in the first two weeks. And uh, developed by just four people, um, and apparently that development team was responsible for another indie game called Push Me, Pull You, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. Local multiplayer game. We played that at a CGF event, I think, last year. And Katana Zero was on his list. Oh, yeah. So that's my 2019 new games list. And then I'll go through really quick this um, other list of games which were released previously. A couple of these were um, mobile games. One of which was uh, 10 million, which is like a match three oh. retro themed game. Yeah. Like th- Came no, out years okay. ago. Okay. Came yeah, out yeah. years ago. Okay. Yeah. So 10 million is one. Hoplite is another uh, mobile strategy game. Pocket City, which is sort of like a SimCity esque oh, yeah, mobile that, game. That works well. Yeah. On mobile. Yeah. It works one. very well. It's uh, not that challenging. It's more of like a Zen like, you know, right. build a city and enjoy, don't stress out too much sort of game. Um, 
Play the Dope Game on Steam. Finally finished that. It's like a modern interpretation of Drug Wars, which is the TI-82 Texas Instruments calculator game. Right. Where yeah. you like go to this city and buy these drugs and then move to another city and the price is fluctuated and you like buy and sell them. Um, dope Game is really fun. Donut County. Emily is Away and Emily is Away 2. Game Dev Story, which I played on Switch. Mother Russia Bleeds, which is aesthetically one of the coolest looking games ever. It's like a Streets of Rage type looking game uh retro pixel art that's awesome um katana zero cuphead uh and then i got nuclear throne that's one of my achievements which i'm most proud of 2019 super difficult game and i've got castlevania bloodstained curse of the moon and that's my whole list wow impressive list you know some real tough games in there some of these are like not that hard at all so for oh, example yeah. like the star wars battlefront vr is oh, like yeah. it's like an hour long you experience. just put it on your face and that's it like kind of plays itself doesn't pretty it? much yeah. yeah but it's it's really memorable really enjoyable yeah. so i mean had it sucked like i wouldn't put it on my list but it's something that i would recommend to other people you can get the game for like three dollars now you know if you have psvr totally worth it you know wow. even just for one hour because you know you have like the the John Williams soundtrack, you know, the whole, you know, all the characters that you would know from Star Wars. You're inside the X-Wing. You're like looking around. There's space around you. There's like all the cool Star Wars stuff. Like it's really fun. That's so cool. So um, real quick story. The, earlier this year, I went to America, went to Disney with my brother and his his wife, my wife. And um, so we had a little trip there. And at, at Disney, there's this VR experience just outside of the uh, grounds of Disney. It's a, what was it called? The Void VR. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it is so cool. Like the Star Wars experience, you put on your headset, you put on this haptic, haptic feedback suit, and uh, you go into the thing and... Um, it's just me and my brother there and we both are like they, they tell us the backstory like we're like rebel soldiers and we're infiltrating the space and we we have we're disguised as stormtroopers so i look at him and i can see him standing there with me and he's in full uh you know uh, um stormtrooper uh uniform and like i'm waving at him he can see my hand moving i I, I put up two fingers. He can see two fingers. I flip him off, obviously, and uh, <laughs> naturally, it's <laughs> so good. And we we go through this thing, and the story plays out. And um, uh, the the like the rooms that we walk through are modeled inside the game that we're playing, and it's so cool. Like you have props, like you pick up actual guns, and you have them, and it's like, wait, what am I doing? I picked up two guns, so I was just blasting uh, blasting the stormtroopers with two guns. It was so much fun. I've heard of the I void before. Highly, I really hope that I, I think it will come to Shanghai if it goes anywhere in China. It'll come to Shanghai first, and I hope that comes. I hope that more people get to experience that because that was just that was my that was my best gaming moment of the year. Was really doing that thing. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that's available like at many places in the states, or is that just like a Disney sort of feature? New York, L.A. Um, uh, I went to Orlando Disney, so oh, Disney, New York, LA, Disney Orlando, Land. yeah. So uh, just or Disney World. Google search the Void, okay, um, or Baidu search the Void, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you'll get something weird if you do Baidu. Just Bing that, yeah, Bing it. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, anything else to mention before we wrap up this podcast? We've talked about so many games. Yeah, we've we've talked about a lot. Um, just real quick, I want to say my anticipated games of 2020: uh, Last of Us Two, obviously, that keeps getting pushed back, but. May will be able to play that finally. Um, Cyberpunk, everyone's talking about that. 
I'm, I'm going to check Half-Life Alex. Um, that was just announced. Um, and my guilty pleasure, Animal Crossing New Horizons comes out in March. So looking forward to that. There's, oh, that was one of your picks in the fantasy critic group, that right? That was. It got pushed back, which they were very gracious when they were talking about it. They're just like, we, we don't want to make our workers work overtime. We want them to be comfortable. We want them to make a good product. So we're just going to push the game back. And, you know, they did that. They did kind of the same thing earlier it's this like, year. Their you honesty. Didn't, you didn't think of that when you made the schedule? <laughs> right. When yeah. you made the schedule, were you planning on just working them to death? I mean, kind of kind of the same thing with um, The Last of Us Part Two, where they, they were like, um, yeah, we don't have enough time to make the game as good as we want it. So we're going to push it back another couple months. Yeah. Like, you know, it's hard to blame them. Yeah, we waited this long. Like, what's another couple months? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be like a blockbuster smash Oh yeah. No matter when it's released. So. Yeah. No matter what, I'm gonna play it. Um, yeah. I I really appreciate Nintendo's openness and honesty about that. Um, especially like when they oh, like Metroid. Metroid Prime Four. That yeah. was another announcement earlier this year. They said, "Hey, this game is not what we wanted it to be. So we're starting over from scratch. We're getting Retro Studios to come back to make this game. So yeah, they they were very candid and open about that." Uh, I don't expect that to come out in 2020. I don't expect Breath of the Wild 2 to come out in 2020. Um, but they take, they just take their time on those games. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be great when yeah. it comes out. You know, it was so refreshing to see that Nintendo announcement about Metroid Prime 4, whereas it feels like when most game developers, especially the big publishers like Ubisoft or Electronic Arts, if they're delaying a game, they'll have some like shifty executive way of doing it, which comes off feeling just like slimy. Right. And when Nintendo does it, it's like, we have really messed up. They like take full accountability. They accept full responsibility for it. They're like, we have made a huge mistake and we accept full responsibility for this mistake. And we genuinely deeply apologize to all of our fans for this. Here's what we're doing. I think it's really hard to complain when they approach the problem or the circumstances in that way. Right. Yeah. I very appreciate them doing that. It's, yeah. Yeah. It makes, everyone's it, like, it makes it worth the wait. Everyone's like, okay, all right, moving on. Like no one gives them any shit about delaying Metroid Prime 4. It's like, yep, we accept that. Like yeah. that's an apology Especially since that they everyone accepts. Retro coming back for that. Everybody wants that. So they made the original, the original trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Well, cyberpunk 2077 and, uh, yeah, that's that's on the top of my list of most anticipated 2020 games. Also, some other ones which weren't mentioned, uh, Panzer Dragoon Remake. Oh, yeah. Which would be cool. I played the original on Saturn. Um, and what else? In the Valley of Gods, which is by the Firewatch developer Campo Santo, which was acquired by Valve. So I think they're working on Half-Life Alex, yes. And that now like the future of that game is like very much in question. Yeah. Which is was... funny because they showed, they showed images and I think video as well. And then it's like, oh, Valve acquired them, and now they're working on like something else. And then after the Half-Life Alex reveal, I think it they said that um, the developers who were working on In the Valley of Gods are now working on Half-Life Alex. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, uh, what of the what of the game which we thought was coming out in 2019? Yeah, who knows when we're gonna see that? But that was also another one on my list. Oh, really? That got pushed back. Yeah. yeah. So, or it didn't really get pushed back; it just disappeared. Yeah. So. Yep, Hope, hoping it's going to be better next year for uh, Fantasy Critic. Yeah, you can follow us on Fantasy Critic on um, 
you go to fantasycritic.games. It's not .com, .games. And um, I'm sure you can search as CGF or China Game Federation, and you'll be able to be able to follow us next year see see where see where things go yeah i'm looking forward to it it'll be interesting to come back to this subject a year from now like best games of 2020 and see how many of the games at the top of that list are ones which we've mentioned in this podcast right and there's many games that we have no idea what what they're going to be with the launch of the ps5 and xbox Two Xbox 367. I don't know. <laughs> 367. Yeah, they just skip ahead. <laughs> like what? What? <laughs> uh, they do that. They skip Windows 9, right? Went for eight to ten. I mean, yeah. there's no. All bets are off with yeah. Microsoft namings. No, nobody likes nines. <laughs> iPhone hate them. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you are interested in checking out previous episodes of the, of the podcast, you can find them on our website at chinagaming.org or at the old domain chundugaming.com you can also find them using whatever app you're listening to this podcast with and we've mentioned a number of previous episodes um, in this episode including the VR episode and best games of previous years 2017 and 2018 so check them out thank you for listening goodbye goodbye